judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Here we are. Yes. How's it going, Kim? How have you been since our last recording? Um, yeah, aging slowly and always in pain. Isn't that (laughs) how it goes when you're over 30? Um, yeah, yeah. And when you hit 40, it gets even better. Oh, I'm Uh, excited. But I think it's a lot to do with the weather, no? Like, yeah, it's a lot of that shit's changing. Super rainy. Even though, like, it's very nice. It's fall. It's what I'm looking for in weather. But, uh, it's a little too rainy for my taste. And I lost my second umbrella. I've lived in New York for 11 years and I've only owned two umbrellas. And they were both bought at both bought at Barnes and Noble. Pro tip, don't carry one. Or carry one that's so large that you you can't It was it. a large one, but I don't I was really out of it or something cuz I Drugs. it was one of the days <laughs> I was going to school. It was not drugs. Um, it was one of the days I had to get up early, like get up at six, which mm-hmm. is the only day of the week I have to do it is Thursday. And it was raining. And I remember having it going down into the subway station because I remember closing it. And then I didn't realize I didn't have it until I got off the R train. So I don't know if I forgot it in the station, if I forgot it on the Q train, if I forgot it on the R train. I don't know, but when I got out and I was like, crap, it's still raining and I don't have my umbrella anymore. And I was really sad because, like I said, I've owned two umbrellas in 11 years of living in New York. Why was it out of your hand? I don't know. I don't I, I don't remember. I don't remember putting it down. That's so funny to me. I'm like, why did you have something out of your possession on a train? <laughs> I don't I think it didn't make it onto the train. I think I put it next to me in never, the station. Never but do that. Yeah, well, thanks for the advice now. I mean, I don't know. Like, welcome to New York. It's been waiting for you. Theft. Theft is what's been waiting for you. I don't think it was you. theft. I think I just literally left it there. That's so funny to me that anybody would do that. Right? I, the first one I left on the train, and my friend was on the train, and I tried to text him and be like, hey, grab my umbrella if you can. But this was before <laughs> um, before texting worked on trains. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get the message till after he was off the train. I cling to my things like like someone has stolen from me in the past and they haven't but like i'll put like if i have a backpack i'll have it on my lap i'll have my arms through the straps like i've never put anything on the side of me ever on the train well i'm sorry miss lifelong new yorker (laughs) where were you that thursday morning (laughs) anyway so we're coming up on halloween this episode is coming out Spooky Halloween, November third. Okay, so this episode's coming out right after Thanks Thanksgiving. No, it's wow, coming out. Oh, future girl. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out right after Halloween. Listen, Thanksgiving's my favorite. So Halloween's my favorite. Well, you're the one having the party. I am having a party. You're all invited. <laughs> Just you know, show your big rep swag, and yeah. you'll get in for free. Absolutely, because the rest of them have a cover charge. <laughs> No, but you're doing a, a horror movie theme, right? Yeah, yeah, so everybody has to come dressed as their favorite or any um, horror movie character. Yes. 
I'm going to be Rosemary's baby. I well, like not that. her baby, but Rosemary herself. Imagine you came just dressed like a baby and you're like, my mom is Rosemary, everybody. <laughs> yeah, except that her baby's like a freaking demon spawn from hell. Like, <laughs> So you'll be dressed accordingly. Or I thought you were going to say, so you'll just come as yourself. That's what I meant. You said it better than I did. <laughs> wow. That's friendship. Uh-huh. Told. Yeah. I don't want to tell you what I'm going to be because it's okay. a surprise to you. Right. But like, I want to tell the people. Well, I can't take you, the headphones off. I know. <laughs> not you, here. None of you will. You guys will know. Maybe we'll tell weeks. you in the next episode. Oh, we'll post pictures oh, on yeah. the Instagram. There we go. That'll work. Yeah. All right. Well, talking about our episode, we've, we're going back. Way back. Way back this time. We've been doing a lot of, of pretty contemporary Modern people. Yeah. yeah. And in this episode, we're going to discuss Anne Boleyn. Queen of England from 1533 to 1536, the second wife of King Henry VIII and mother of Queen Elizabeth I. We'll talk about her early life, how she became a queen, and what her experiences were during that time. We'll discuss some of the rumors about her and how they relate to the realities we know about and understand today. And finally, we'll discuss the impact she has had on history, including contemporary media representations of her. And just before we get started, a minor trigger warning for miscarriage. You know, we're not going into a lot of detail about it, but there will be mentions of it. Also, beheadings. Oh, <laughs> I, I, su- I don't know if that could be. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I hope not. Murder. 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 Yeah. And conspiracy. <laughs> All right, so let's tell you a little bit about Anne Boleyn, maybe before she got involved with Henry VIII. Mm -hmm. So Anne Boleyn was born July 1501 or 1505 or 1507, honestly. Yeah, it's it's undetermined. And I'm sure it's sort of based on like baptism records or, you know, because maybe, I don't know. We found dates throughout that range from Mm. 1501 to 1507. Uh, She was the daughter of Thomas Boleyn and Elizabeth Boleyn. Her father was an Earl and her mother, a lady. So she, this means she wasn't a Royal, but she was gentry, which is like the modern day upper middle class kind of like she's fancy, but not too fancy. Not too fancy. Yeah. Relatable fancy. Yes. She was born at Blicking Hall in Norfolk, England And her parents were very ambitious. Her father spoke a few different languages and was very well educated. Anne and her siblings, Mary and George, got a very similar education to one another. So from a very young age, it's noted that Anne was less attractive than her other sister. She might have been born with a large mole in her neck, and she definitely had an extra finger. Definitely? Yeah. She had six fingers. All right. One hand. All right. I mean, but the mole, like... Come on. I, he doesn't have a mole. I don't. You have one literally on your <laughs> cheek. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> it's all an illusion. <laughs> so historians, how they found out she had the mole was they get a lot of their info from letters and notes. So at some point, I feel like someone just wrote a note about how ugly she was. So it was like a 15th century burn book. Seems all right. Rude. Yeah. Seems you know, talking talking shit about her because <laughs> she was the queen now and they weren't. Aside from her looks, she 
because, you know, those are important. Those are the least important things about anybody. Uh, I mean, honestly. In my opinion. Kind of. Yeah. She was smart and her family had connections. So she got placed as a lady in waiting for the Archduchess Margaret of Austria in Brussels. The ladies in waiting worked as personal assistants, basically, you know, tending to the wardrobe, assisting baths, serving meals, performing and attending court rituals, the works. They would spend a lot of time chatting and getting close to the person in power. This was a very sought after position. You know, not every young woman was eligible to become a lady in waiting. Off topic. How weird would it be for someone to assist you while taking a bath? Like that's creepy yeah i don't you know that women's clothes zip the opposite way or button the opposite way than men's clothes and it's because women were like assisted in getting dressed that seems stupid i i mean okay maybe maybe i I don't have not for you to say but for it to be a thing that is a is a thing right and and to be fair like i couldn't cite my source on this but i definitely remember hearing that at some point Mm -hmm. so maybe i'm making it up or maybe someone else made it up and i'm like perpetuating that but if you notice like check out what direction your jeans button up versus what your husband's jeans button up i'm gonna yeah while he's or wearing like them, they coat. get real weird. <laughs> like, let me see that zipper. Sexy tie. <laughs> anyway. So, Anne Boleyn was really great at this, you know, bathing people and such. <laughs> so, the Archduchess, Margaret, and her court were super impressed. Boleyn learned French so well that she was called to serve under Mary Tudor when she became the Queen of France. Now, this Mary Tudor is Henry VIII's sister, right? Mm-hmm. Not his daughter, Mary. Yeah. And that, I think that's important to note. Uh, but it, it it seems like it should be obvious. But at the same time, it's a little confusing because they all have the same names over and over again. They had like five names that they just reused. Like That was the yeah. rule back then. Mm-hmm. So Mary Bullen and sister was already a part of Mary Tudor's household. So there's a bit of a reunion there for the sisters, and no doubt their parents were super proud that they had two daughters working for the queen. Ooh. Sadly, the king died just three months into the marriage, and Mary Tudor headed back home because she wasn't a queen anymore. Oh, okay. That's Apparently, how that that's works. how it works. Yeah. Okay. But both sisters chose to stay and work under the new queen. They worked in the French court for about seven years until Mary was sent home after a few too many highly publicized affairs with members of the royal staff. Keep that in mind, because that comes back when she's in England. She might get her a whole episode just for her. Honestly, like all the women. I would like to know more about these royal affairs that she was having. (laughs) Well, there's probably not, I don't know how much concrete evidence there is. I'd be curious. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of speculation about people having sex with other people. Yes. People love that It's out of control in this story. So on her own, Anne spent her time perfecting her talents. She learned needlework. I told you they did needlework in the royal family. What? Last episode, I was like, yeah, Mary or Megan and Kate are probably just sitting there doing needlework or something. (laughs) Okay, I know like 500 years have gone by, but whatever. Maybe they just do, like, official needlework, like, fancy needlework. Like, I think this yeah. was just, like, darning socks. Honestly, maybe they were making dresses. Like, needlework I think can be a range of things, right? And embroidery. Cross- and, oh. Like, oh, look, you would embroider, like, 
like well, a handkerchief. Yeah. Then, yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's They're pretty. certainly not darning socks. That's what the maids are for. Okay. She was a maid. She's a lady in waiting. It's like, yeah, but a lady in waiting is, is not like the, same as a the maid. fancy right. version yeah. of a maid. <laughs> like a maid of, they have maids. So darning socks was beneath her. So yes. she was busy. <laughs> She also practiced music. She was known to have a beautiful singing voice, and she became skilled at playing the flute and the rebec. Yeah, it's like Rebecca, but shorter. It is also a tiny violin, and you I'm are a tiny not violin. a tiny violin. No, I'm a little bit bigger of a violin. You're a cello. I'm a Rebecca. That's a little <sighs> bit bigger. It's a violin. <laughs> I wish you could see my face. Listen, when I read that in the note, I was like, oh, I can't wait to make this terrible joke. Gross. It's such a terrible joke, but I'm going to make it anyway. It's such a terrible joke. I'm leaving. <laughs> okay. Sean, put in a slamming door. <laughs> <laughs> what if he doesn't? Oh, okay. he, he definitely doesn't listen that much to it. He just puts the beginning and the end. And that's wow. It. Yeah. Let's have a conversation with Sean. <laughs> um... So she also wrote poetry and studied dance composition. And I had to Google that. That's basically like a choreographer. So I would really like to know, like, what dances she was, like, choreographing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember. Th- I could not tell you dances from that time I period. I think it was, like, that you put your hand up and then, like, you join your hand with your partner and it's, like, you walk in a circle like type deal. and stuff, no? I don't think there was that much touching because, you know... Jesus. Like, <laughs> I don't think Jesus had anything to do with it. You have to leave room for Jesus when you're dancing. Not in the courts. That's fancy stuff. No, but I don't even think it was like, they weren't doing the tango or something. No, they weren't doing the tango. That's freaking like an Argentine dance. <laughs> you know, we I'm sure Google. they were waltzing. There's got to be a waltz. Oh, we're going to Google it. Okay, we'll get back to you. Besides all the dancing, um, she also spent her time learning from noble women. Women, so she learned things like grace and charm, and all the things that made you a super fancy lady. Yes, she spent a lot of time with artists and poets, and she got herself really cultured. She learned about different views. Her time at the French court made her confident and outspoken. I mean, she was already, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what got her in that position in the first place. But it only helped improve that. Boleyn actually becomes well-known for respectfully speaking her mind and challenging ideas. She kind of knew that line to ride. With her reputation for being hardworking and her father's connections and ambition, a job is lined up for her in England to work as a member of Henry VIII's court. So Boleyn would be serving as a maid of honor for his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. So when Boleyn came back from England, it was a culture shock for all. The people were not used to having maids or ladies-in-waiting to be so sophisticated. Some claimed that she was acting above her station, but others found her charming. She was just Frenchified. Frenchified. Yeah. I like it. I mean, as opposed to Spanishified like Catherine of Aragon, because she was Spanish. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Boleyn's father wanting her home served another purpose as well. Thomas had plans for Anne Boleyn that included marriage. James Butler, the ninth Earl of Ormond, and honestly, like, I know there's some of you out there that know the rankings of this and what goes on. Yeah, like, who is that? That's fill us in because I don't have the time to to figure that all out. It's too much. Like, is it under Duke? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely, I'm gonna find it. Definitely under Duke because because today, because Harry, Harry, and William are. Dukes, right? Yes. So it's definitely lower than oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And anyway, 
So this guy, James Butler, was in talks in talks to be Anne Boleyn's husband. I love that. It's because, you know, it's a business deal. Of course. However, Anne wasn't excited about her father's choice, right? Because, yeah. again, it was more of a business, a business deal. deal. Yeah. And it wasn't a, a match of the heart for her. Mm. But so over time, like any good, you know, marriage proposal, uh, negotiations started to fizzle. Boleyn used delaying tactics in negotiation. So basically, like, her dad and them were trying to figure out who would get what title and what would happen. But I like the idea that uh, she was just dodging him, like, literally stalling negotiations. Like, oh, did you say we were going to go out Tuesday night? I'm busy. How about Thursday? Oh, wait, I have to wash my hair. Like, I like those (laughs) stalling tactics. And then he was just like, oh, whatever, I'll give up. Yeah. Then a side note about her dad. Some historians say that her father, Thomas, only helped guide his daughter. But others say he was a player who told his daughters who to cultivate relationships with in order to move up. He profited from their success and actually obtained three promotions while his daughters were members of the royal court. Hmm. So we're going to see this a lot, right? There are a lot of contradictory uh, reports out there and much speculation. So, like, some people said her father was just trying to help them and others is like no he had an agenda so this we'll see this as a reoccurring theme why not both i yes taco girl (laughs) why not both (laughs) so Boleyn is working in the court under queen catherine and it's not going well for queen catherine um she's had six pregnancies within nine years five of them result in miscarriages or stillborns and uh, and early deaths for all but one She's right. nearly 40. She'd gained a ton of weight from her pregnancies. And rumors are spread that the king no longer found her attractive. And that's how it goes, right? Yeah. 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 You you got pregnant too many times. You didn't give me a son. Mm. And now you don't look the way you looked 24 years ago when yeah. I married you. It's a tale or when I took you time. When I took you as my wife because my brother had died. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Listen, that's one of the few things I know. I know more about Catherine of Aragon than I do about Anne Boleyn. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like we were saying, she didn't produce a male heir. And the king was scared. There had only been three female rulers, and each time it ended in civil war. So a male heir was necessary for the longevity of his family dynasty. Or so thought he. Or so thought he. But, I mean, <laughs> didn't I think, like, the world was flat then, too? You only know what you know. No, I don't think it was that. <laughs> um, but... What they didn't know was that how babies were made back then. So I actually looked this up because I always thought, like, was this guy just willfully ignorant that, like, sperm was sort of the determinant of the sex of a baby? I think it's just easier to blame women for everything. Well, of course, there's that. uh, And that's why I say willfully. Mm -hmm. But in fact, scientists didn't really understand human conception until the late 19th century. There, I found this fascinating article on the subject, and it was uh, an article that was adapted from uh, this book called The Seeds of Life from Aristotle to Da Vinci, From Shark's Teeth to Frog's Pants, The Long and Strange Quest to Discover Where Babies Come From. And that's by Edward Dolnick. And this part that was taken out of the book was called Why It Took Scientists So Long to Figure Out Where Babies Come From. And we'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. But it's really fascinating that they really had no idea. They were like, oh, we have sex, and sometimes a baby comes out of that, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't, but they really didn't know the science behind it. I feel like a lot of people don't know the science behind things now. Like, there are politicians who don't know how, like, periods work. And that's willful, of course, but, like, 
you only know what you know. And if you don't feel like doing any research, then it's easier to blame a woman for something. And just listen to a podcast. We'll tell you all about it. (laughs) So Henry and Catherine were allegedly just keeping up appearances. The stress of multiple stillborns must have weighed them down. Yeah. Honestly, it had to be. Yeah. So over the 24 years of marriage with his first wife, Henry only had two affairs that we know of. Oh, okay. Yeah. One (laughs) with Anne's sister, Mary, which is fun. Oh, right, right, because we said that she was having, like, extramarital affairs affairs in France, so, Mm -hmm. you know. And one of them was Listen, a woman just wants to have sex. She's just going to have sex. Yes. Like, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. You go, Mary Bolin. <laughs> you go, Glenn Coco. Go, go. <laughs> yes. And this is why we're friends. So the one affair was with Mar- with Anne's sister, Mary, and another one resulted in an illegitimate male heir, which, okay. like, must have pissed him off. It's like, fuck, I finally got a male, but I'm not married to this broad. Yes. So it wasn't legal. So some historians say that he loved and respected Catherine, but they be- he became so desperate for a male heir that he needed to look for a younger option more quickly. I roll. I, I roll, roll. But, like, I kind of get it. If you think your whole lineage depends on you having, like, a baby boy. And but like, that's why it's so stupid. Like, yes. you had a baby. Oh. The monarchy but just needs to be abolished. I, I said it before. I'll rule. say it again. Anytime we cover someone from... A royal family i'm just gonna be like abolish the monarchy <laughs> you know piss off our british fans <laughs> you know <laughs> you can win them back anyway with any- my british accent no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it won't come back it won't come back you, the people have spoken and you know it was hurtful to me but fine <laughs> you know you guys get what you want i won't do it anymore I- I didn't even get any comments on. Oh, my I got neighbor. them to my face. People are rude. <laughs> oh no! Who said something to your face via text? I won't. We'll oh, discuss okay. it later. Okay. She knows who she is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> poor Catherine. But enter Anne Boleyn. Yes, right. The king starts to pursue Anne full time. He's sending love letters and gifts. One of gifts with a T, not gifts. <laughs> He's just sending her like awesome memes to He's her like, cellular phone. Why not phone. both? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> anyway, <laughs> one of the first letters he sent actually includes this passage. But if you please to do the office of a true loyal mistress and friend and to give up yourself body and heart to me, who will be and have been your most loyal servant? If your rigor does not forbid me, I promise you that not only the name shall be given you, but also that I will take you for my only mistress, casting off all others besides you out of my thoughts and affections and serve only you. So to translate that... (laughs) He's like, so you want to be my main side piece? You can totally take my word because I'm super loyal and also trustworthy. Wink. Please ignore that part where I slept with your sister and I'm also married. Yeah. You up? (laughs) (laughs) Not so much. No, like you up is like something like 
a fuck boy will text you oh. in the middle of the night. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's you what up. I thought, like, is she up for it kind no, of thing? But, but like, you're you, up, you, like, you awake so that I can, like, listen, send I you a picture of my dick. I didn't find fuck boys. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> you're lucky you missed the whole fuck boy era. Yeah. So, side note, 17 of Henry VIII's famous love letters to Anne Boleyn exist, and they can be viewed in the Vatican Library. However, only one of Anne's love letters to the king survived, making this narrative very one-sided, and it feels suspicious. Yeah, especially when we get to stuff about her trial later on. Mm -hmm. It's like, it definitely feels like they were trying to hide anything that would be in her benefit yeah. like what if she was sending like cease and desist letters <laughs> <laughs> i mean bolin did refuse his advances yeah. she was very religious and wanted to stay a virgin until marriage so she couldn't accept his offer and but this did nothing to stop his pursuit because obviously no means yes mm, no means ask me 17 more times and maybe yeah seriously i roll so Boleyn left the court. She stepped down. She returned home. There were letters written by Boleyn to friends that suggest that she left to avoid the king because he was coming on very strong. Ugh. Yeah. Like she couldn't just turn him down flat out because this king basically. I mean, he was the king. Yeah. He like had all these lives in his hands. So there was this dude named Sir Thomas Wyatt. It was another man who was super interested in Boleyn. He was sending her you up text, you know. <laughs> Um, he was suddenly promoted to marshal in a different town. It was a very kind way of getting rid of the competition, but also a strong way of letting you know what it, the king was capable of. Yeah. So Henry keeps it up. More letters. The king is really blurring the line between admiring and harassment here. In my yeah, opinion. but he's also the king, so he does yeah. what he wants. After about six years, Boleyn starts to respond in kind. Yeah, I mean, responding kind yeah. is like a euphemism and a half, right? The fucker wore her down. Like, what else is she going to do? He's the freaking king. Like, oh, no, no, no. Because there were, I, I mean, it's probably not in writing or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of, like, threat alluded to, like, oh, this in your family I'm or sure. that in your family. Yeah, I I'm don't sure. Know. Or even just the promise of something beneficial for mm -hmm. her family. But it's kind of hard for me to understand how or why historians would interpret Bolin's literal running away and not responding to his letters as playing hard to get. She's just, she's a little tease. She's just playing so hard to get. Honestly, though, that shit still happens now. So, yeah. like, why wouldn't they think that? Ugh. So she comes around or, you know, accepts her fate and Henry proposes. So, yay, they got married. Happily ever after. End of podcast. <laughs> Ha, huh, just kidding. Actually, there are so many things standing in the way of this, you know, happy new marriage that this couple wants to have. Uh-huh. This One, happy marriage. This yep. happy marriage. So happy. One, Henry's wife. <laughs> so Catherine's still around. And she's a really Details. she's a really popular queen. People love her. And again, they'd been married for 24 years. Their marriage is kind of a big deal, because as we mentioned before, Catherine was originally married to the king's older brother, Prince Arthur. Arthur, who had been long prone to illness, he died only five months after the wedding. What's with people dying, like, right after they get married? Three months? Five months? Too much sex? I'm just kidding. <laughs> am, am I gonna die? <laughs> just got married. <laughs> uh, please don't die. I, I'll try not to. So, he died of something called sweating sickness, which sounds like 
Gross. You would get that from having a lot of sex. Maybe. Um, it was mysterious and contagious, disease that struck England in a series of epidemics beginning in 1485. It turns out that it was caused by a rat bite or breathing in stool or urine or saliva from a rat. Yeah, so mouse shit. That's rat shit. Real gross. It is real gross. And I wonder, like, what B restaurants they were going to to, like, get <laughs> these things. I also just want to have a side note here for anybody who doesn't make this connection because I feel like it's a connection that gets lost a lot because of the way we translate names. But Catherine of Aragon was actually the daughter of Isabel and Ferdinand. You know, the ones who really? sent... Yeah. The ones who sent Columbus. They gave him money to go of. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But Catherine oh. was was their daughter. I'm like, you did say you know a lot about Catherine. Oh, well, I know a little bit more anyway. Yeah. And, and it's because of that, because I know more of the Spanish side of her history. That makes sense. Well, studying the Bible, I love this bit here. King Henry comes across a passage that states, If there is a man who takes his brother's wife, it is detestable. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They will be childless. Leviticus 20.21. Timely. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has violated his brother, and the guilty couple will remain childless. So he takes this as a sign that his marriage wasn't actually lawful under the eyes of God and therefore should be annulled. Super convenient, Mm -hmm. manipulating Bible verses for your own purposes. And, uh, you know, after 24 years of marriage deciding on this. mm. Yeah. He spoke to Pope Clement VII about it. The Pope heard him out, but ultimately denied the request. The Roman Catholic faith believed in marriage for life and did not recognize or even support divorce. Roman Catholic Church simply would not allow it in this case. The not dis- even for a king. Not even for a king. No. Especially after 24 years. I guess they were thinking of the same thing. They're like, dude, really? Like Now you decide? Now? No. <laughs> His disagreement with the Pope about the annulment led Henry to initiate the English Reformation, separating the Church of England from papal authority. Papal or papal? Um... Papal? Why not both? Pineapple. <laughs> that's that's the gif of this episode. Pa- Why not both? Papal, papal. Historians will say it. you could say it either way, right? He appointed himself as supreme head of the Church of England. Very, very important. Again, convenient. Mm-hmm. So as the new head of the church, you know, he was free to dissolve convents and monasteries, of course, after looting them. And most important, getting that divorce he was looking for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He basically made her his sister. He was like, oh, we're not married because you were married to my brother, so yeah. that makes you my sister-in-law, which makes you my sister, so that means I can't be married to you. So bye. And all this is great for him because he married Boleyn in a secret ceremony weeks before the divorce was actually legal. Anne is in, Catherine is out. A huge welcoming party is thrown and the townspeople come out because who doesn't love a parade? Everyone loves them. Yeah, but honestly, the people are not that excited, well, right? Why would they be? I mean, Boleyn is seen as the reason their true queen is banished. Mm -hmm. There are rumors that Boleyn is a whore, or even worse, a witch, who had cast a spell to find her way to the throne. (laughs) It is spooky season. It is spooky season. You have to allow my cackle. (laughs) I'll allow your cackle in any season. (laughs) I appreciate it more in spooky season now. So historians have uncovered newspapers from that time that featured stories about her marriage and allude to her being rude and having a snobbish personality so i'm guessing like this is it's basically like the british media has never changed Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a thread. There's a common thread. So there's also an investigation to a priest who called her a harlot and a whore, which I thought those two meant the same thing, but maybe they didn't back then. You get a double maybe, down on it. Yeah, maybe he was just like, she's a double whore. She's also a harlot. <laughs> double whore. <laughs> he also said that she should be burned in the town square. I so, mean, why stop at calling names? Right? Let's just burn people. It got so bad that the king issued a proclamation that he would give a reward to anyone who could point out those who spoke against his marriage and his wife. I mean, sound familiar? A Henry asking for people to stop speaking badly about his wife? See episode six. <laughs> On September 7th, 1533, Anne Boleyn gave birth to a daughter. Pissing off everyone, really, because, you know, not a son. Boys are important. Okay. (laughs) They named the baby Elizabeth, and eventually Henry came around and Elizabeth was a well-loved child. Things are settling down. Everyone's back to what they do best. Henry is cheating. Boleyn is stirring the pot. It's all good. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about Anne Boleyn as a stepmother. Boleyn is often blamed for the ill treatment of Mary, Henry's daughter, with Catherine. The annulment made Mary an illegitimate daughter, and she was asked to relinquish the title of princess. The king was the one who carried out his task, but the blame was put on Boleyn. And this is interesting to me because Mary does later become Mary Queen of Scots, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. She must have been given her legitimacy back at some point. She does because I like all their kids bring for some period of time, Ah. even like the illegitimate one. Okay. Yeah. Because they they needed people. They're like, I don't know, you do it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Not it. Finger on your nose. In 1533, Mary's court was dismissed and she was taken to serve as a lady-in-waiting to her new stepsister. Again, we have no proof that Boleyn was behind this as it was carried out in the name of the king. But obviously rumors, Mm -hmm. speculation... British media, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) One thing that historians did point out is that when the king would come to visit Elizabeth, Mary would be locked in her room as to not interrupt the visit. So these visits were super rare. Could it be that Boleyn wanted to make sure that her daughter was getting as much time with her mostly absent father and Mary just got caught in the crosshairs? I don't know, but that's pretty messed up. Like, let me come visit one daughter, but not the other. Like, even if you wanted to visit them one at a time. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, he's too busy he's doing king shit he's and he's like shit (laughs) cheating on his wife he's very busy yes it's hard being king (laughs) (laughs) boleyn tried to calm the tension by sitting down with mary and offering a truce so her stepdaughter she's like calling a truce with her i don't know what the age difference is there but yeah i couldn't really i feel like it's probably a little bit closer probably you know she's older than Elizabeth. Um, But if Mary would admit that her parents' marriage was illegitimate, it would help grease the wheels and get the king back on Mary's side. Boleyn promised to work on a reconciliation of the father and daughter, but Mary was unmoved and let Boleyn know that that wasn't going to happen. The two had very limited communication, mostly just letters written around the time of Catherine's death. Boleyn reached out again via letter asking Mary to relinquish the title and to come back into the fold. Mary again refused... And that was the death of that relationship. Anne Boleyn had actually become pregnant twice before she gave birth to her daughter, but she lost both. This, plus the long line of mistresses that the king was racking up, was causing some tension between the two. Boleyn was notably angry about the king's affairs, like 
Of course she should have been. He courted her for like seven years. He made all these promises to love only her. He moved heaven and earth for this damn annulment. And she's become the villain of the country, all for him to cheat on her? Like, what has this all been about? (laughs) When he's confronted by Boleyn, he tells her that she had good reason to be content with what he had done for her and that she should consider from what she had come. Basically, you're lucky to be here. Pipe down, bitch. (laughs) Boleyn quickly found herself alone. You know, most of the ladies-in-waiting were sleeping with the king because, you know, (laughs) they're waiting to be the next queen. Is that what the ladies-in-waiting to be the queen? Mate. Uh, The way he runs his household? Yeah. You know, and the other members of her court were too afraid of the violent outbursts that she had become well known for. Which but I mean, like, honestly, she's pissed off. Yeah, like, could what you the blame hell? her? Like, ugh. So she's found herself in the same position as Catherine. As the king found himself infatuated with another mistress, her polar opposite, Jane Seymour. Not Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> no, not definitely her. not. She's a saint. She never. She would never. <laughs> But unlike herself, Jane did not turn down the king's advances. Jane is listed as being desperately plain. Again, this burn book that was happening. (laughs) Desperately plain, submissive, and very, very pale. One historian called her a milk face, and I died. (laughs) That's such a good insult for a very pale person. Milk face? I mean, honestly, though, I'm just curious about it. Like, who was saying this? back then like what just like some catty ass people like i probably like some bored dudes who were just like well that's it because i'm like these bitches are these women with me are these I women think- saying it about other women or is it like some sort of internalized misogyny or are the men being just i feel like catty everyone, ones? there was no tv books weren't like as prevalent they were probably bored and they're like let's get this burn book going Let's gossip and talk shit about people. Milk face. <laughs> Boleyn became pregnant yet again. This one also ended in miscarriage. The king blamed her, you know, like you do. She blamed the shock of finding him with Jane Seymour. Like, that sounds about right. Or, you know, it was just the 16th century and they didn't True. know how to bring babies to term. Yeah, right. An investigation led by Thomas Cromwell, who is definitely the villain of the entire, like story i don't know he's definitely the worst <laughs> can i side note for a second yeah a uh, correlation that i noticed he's like uh canon star starting like an investigation to like ruin some woman's life with uh, monica Lewinsky. all right everything i feel like we're gonna see more and more like parallels like, yes like oh this has happened before in something that we've covered because mm-hmm. like history repeats itself ew yes it does um, so anyway, this investigation was led by Thomas Cromwell, and it started in April 1536, on April 24th, to investigate rumors and claims about Boleyn. So there are a few of them. One, incest. Ew. So the rumors or charges that she commissioned her brother to impregnate her so that she would produce a male heir. Okay. I just don't know how desperate you have to be. Honestly, yeah, you could sleep with other people first. Right? Witchcraft. One of the stillborn babies was found to be deformed. So that was a 16th century sign of witchcraft. Adultery. She spent time with other men in her court. 
there was a very thin line between flirtation and conversation for someone in Boleyn's position. Her ladies-in-waiting turned on her by spreading rumors of an affair with the musician Mark Smeaton. Smeaton? Smeaton? Smeaton. All right. Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> After being taken into custody and questioned for hours, historians aren't really sure if torture was used. Probably. But Smeaton admits to having sex with the queen three times. Oh. And, you know, one of the things I was like, well, was he just trying to protect himself? So he said that. But I don't know if, like, that would risk his I situation think- as well or if he was just, like, tortured to the point where he gave in. I wonder if it was, like, he knew he had a death sentence already. Like, just being brought into that room yeah. probably meant that they were going to kill him. So, like, was he trying to take her down with him? Did he really think that, oh, if I give them this? Like, admitting to it sounds like you would be admitting to a death sentence. So right. Right. I think there must have been torture used. And it's like, if you just stop hitting me with this brick, I'll tell you whatever. <laughs> uh, honestly, this confession is seen as the nail in Ambulance coffin. Seven men are arrested after this confession is made. So she was just like fucking seven dudes. I don't think, I think that it was more along the lines of like, they knew about stuff where there was this idea that, that they, they may have been aware of the situation and didn't bring the, it to the attention of the king. Mm. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I saw like four different affairs that she was accused of having at one point or another. But going back to some of these rumors and claims about Boleyn, there was a plot to murder the king. <gasps> yes. I mean, that's that's pretty treasonous. Yeah. That is pretty bad. But this stems from a conversation that she's overheard having with Henry Norris, again, another one of these men that she's accused of uh, having an affair with. She asked him why he had not yet married, and he said he was looking to tarry in singlehood for a few years more. Does that mean just, like, hang out? Yeah, he just wanted to play around, be a man's man. He's probably a fuckboy. He's probably sending you up texts. (laughs) Sorry, Henry Norris. (laughs) Mullen jokingly implied that he was waiting for her husband to die so that he could marry her. I mean, it's a morbid joke, yeah, but, like, it's not a plot for murder. Waiting for him to die, like... I mean, I feel like he was older as it was. I feel like that's a joke that I would have made. Well, don't do it in a a castle. I... (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, now I have to cancel my castle trip. (laughs) Don't do it in a castle. I don't know. <laughs> so all through this investigation, Bolin was just trusting that the law would do its job. It would law her out of the situation since she was innocent, you know, or that the king would rescue her because he loved her and she did nothing wrong. Yeah. So she was found guilty. Like a unanimous vote. Unanimous vote. Vote. Yeah, she was found guilty completely. They moved her to the Tower of London to wait for her execution. But the evidence was a little bit more than questionable. Yeah, you know, I I was watching this documentary on it and they moved her back to the Tower of London, but they put her in like Queen's quarters. Yeah. And like, because they still had to be respectful. She's the fucking queen. She was still the queen. Like, just (laughs) in case she was innocent, like, they would be on them if otherwise. But. You know, just this idea that she actually thought she she wanted a trial mm-hmm. so that she could prove her innocence. She defended herself she, in court, too. Yeah, she absolutely mm-hmm. did, you know. So they had to build a new scaffolding to accommodate the crowd that was expected to watch her die. And apparently the executioner, so 
I, this was one of the things that was brought up in the documentary I was watching. The executioner arrived sooner than would have been possible based on how far away he was supposed to be. So, like, apparently where he was located was three days journey out and then three mm. days journey back. But he got there in, like, the nick of time. Yeah. Like, it was a lot faster. I don't remember what the exact turnaround was. But this means he was likely summoned before the decision was made, Ew, at least publicly. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, eh, just, just get him here because probably. Just in case. Yeah. So on May 19th, 1536, Anne Boleyn was beheaded and became the first queen to ever be executed. Maintaining her innocence to the very end, the king remarried Jane Seymour 11 days later. Yeah. And apparently, like, after the cannons went off that Boleyn was dead, instead of, like, mourning her. He like went off to where Jane Seymour was and he like went met off up with her to get himself a glass of milk. We shouldn't be mean to her. What did no, she do? Exactly. But you know, because honestly, face. the thing is, at that time, as a woman who doesn't have a position of power, mm-hmm. one whether you are interested because you think you can be the next queen or whether you're saying yes, because this is a man in a position of power that you can't decline. Like we don't know all of the details behind Mm -hmm. their reasons, but also they say that she was super submissive. So this dude's into you and he also just killed his fucking wife. So like, what are you going to (laughs) do? You're going to be like, you're going to take your pasty ass and marry him. Like, yeah, sure. sure. Absolutely. What do you need? Yeah, I'll do it. That's cool. Fine. Yeah. Boleyn's family was well-off and well-known, but, however, not well-known enough to think that she could replace a sitting queen without a great stir. Without a great stir, I mean, like, yeah, obviously, that's that's a huge, a huge deal. Yeah, so I don't think that she was this social climber who was just like, I've got my eyes on the king. Like, her goal wasn't that. There. I, it couldn't have been. That would have been such a, such a lofty goal to have from, like, not really knowing people. Like, I mean... If she did, then, like, props to her. Didn't end well. <laughs> but, like, I don't think that was her start goal. Right. So, Boleyn was also a passionate religious reformer. She was educated in France and had Lutheran beliefs and used her influence to save some victims from heresy laws, people who had been found in possession of Lutheran books. <gasps> Gasp, right? Yes. What was she thinking? How dare she also imported Lutheran Bibles to give to the staff and made sure that all of her staff was able to read, which, like, that's really fucking impressive. Like, yeah. for her. She had great intentions, but just the wrong religion. She ended up pissing off the townspeople, which was mostly made up of Catholics. You don't want to piss off Catholics. Even though, like, the king had, like, renounced Catholicism in exchange for his own, like, Church of England mm-hmm. nonsense so that he could marry and divorce and murder whoever he wanted. Well, historians are actually split on Boleyn's character as there's really only personal accounts to reference it. You know, was she a pious young woman who was looking for love and found betrayal? Or was she an ambitious sinner who lied and manipulated her way into the king's life and his bed? The rumor that was spread at court was that she had used witchcraft to cast the spell on Henry. So remember that sixth finger we talked about? That's another indicator of guilt. Why? Because that makes her a witch? Yes. Usually witches were born with some kind of deformity or some kind of like 
telling thing, like a mold or like an extra digit. Yes, a mole. <laughs> You've got a mole. I'm a, I'm a witch. This wasn't the only thing that sort of set up red flags about like maybe she's a witch, mm-hmm. right? She also had this miscarriage with a child that would have had a deformity or whatever yeah. it was. They right? de- they described it as a, a mass of flesh. Okay. It's creepy, but like, yeah. But this caused people to think that the baby was conceived by incest or witchcraft mm. because we saw what happened with the bourbons. I showed you that picture. Yes. Okay. I thought you <laughs> meant the drink. And I was like, 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 no, like bourbon? <laughs> no, the bourbons. I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say things with an accent now. I don't know. I don't know anything. I mean, what I don't know is, did she cheat? No. I, I don't I don't know either. I don't think she cheated. But so but also even if she did, like, you know what? He was doing the same thing, so fuck off. Yes, but this double st- that's the problem, right? Like he's sleeping with everyone, so why can't she get some, you know? Exactly. But, like, she needs to be like murdered because she did exactly what he did, maybe. Allegedly. So Haley Nolan, author of Anne Boleyn, Five Hundred Years of Lies argues that the queen's lack of privacy and her deeply held religious beliefs would have made it difficult or impossible to be unfaithful at all, much less with multiple women. Like, these seven dudes who got, like, taken in, like, there's no way there were, like, orgies happening. Like, with with what time to herself? She always had ladies-in-waiting there who would have been more than excited to tell the king that she was up to some fuck shit so they can, like, move their way in there. Maybe. While this title is quite controversial, we do appreciate the different perspectives and attempts to bring the conversation on Bolin. But the truth is, there are contrasting perspectives on Bolin from various historians. It's worth comparing and contrasting a few to get a really good picture of who she was and what she was like then. Yeah. Historian Tracy Borman writes, Unlike her elder sister, however, Anne kept a strict rein on her desires. She pushed the boundaries of flirtation as far as she could without damaging her reputation and retained an aloofness that only served to increase her appeal. It got her really far. I mean, until it didn't. (laughs) So Henry was okay with her behaviors, her flirtatious nature. She was his mistress. But as a wife? Mm Mm-mm, forget it. And the fact that the trial records still exist do not include any of the defense documents, a.k.a. Anne's defense, it speaks volumes. Yeah. How one-sided the story is. There are pages and pages of the prosecution's Mm -hmm. side, but there's nothing on Anne's defense. Who who decided? Like, who was the person that was like, "Mm, no, we don't need to keep this? Probably Cromwell. Throw it on the fire, right? Probably Cromwell. He was like, this is not going to be good for the future. Let's get rid of this now. And to be fair, I don't know how much was Cromwell himself and how much was Cromwell at behest of the the king. king. But I do know that Cromwell fell out of favor with the king Mm -hmm. like a few years later. So I think it was him. Anyway, the story is being told hundreds of years after the fact. And there's plenty of information that has been researched on the subject. But as you said, right, most of the evidence Mm -hmm. that we have comes in the form of primary sources written by men in power at this time. So I guess what I'm saying is we can never truly know the whole truth. Like we can't go back and ask people that might have been around that didn't have the opportunity to share what they actually knew. Like, hey, extra witness. Like, what did you think? Right. When you hear about people who did say or report things, we have to always keep in mind the fear that they may have had for their own lives True. or their own loyalty to the crown being greater than anything else. Mm-hmm. 
So what is some impact that Bolin had? I mean, a lot, right? Right. Just thinking about, like, religion. So she aided in the translation of the Bible into English. She was gifted an English Bible and was excited to share it with her servants. Back then in the 1500s, there was still – it was still strictly forbidden to translate the Bible into English. Most churches – they only had services that were in Latin, even though most people in Europe were unable to understand Latin. That seems suspicious to me. So they couldn't understand the Bible directly. So yeah, you so know. they just had to go to church and listen to someone speaking a language yeah. they didn't understand and interpreting it, you know, for them. And it's not even a romance language like Latin, like Spanish, French, Portuguese, Italian. Those all derive from Latin, so there are mm. words or sounds that are at least similar. The structure yeah. is similar, but English is very distinct from latin Mm. so there's no real like oh i understood that word kind of thing i think another big impact that that amberlin had on the world and or at least on the british monarchy Mm. was that she gave birth to the future queen of england elizabeth the first elizabeth ruled for 44 years from 1558 until her death in 1603 She had to be careful not to associate too closely with her mother's legacy as it was riddled with scandal. But in the documentary that I was watching, she had a ring with the letter E on it. And when you Mm -hmm. open the ring in one side was like a, a carving of her mother. Oh, like a little portrait. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on the flip side was one of herself, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Elizabeth had to express her loyalty in subtle ways, right? She promoted her Bolin relatives at court, and she wore aunt's jewelry. While she was queen, Elizabeth maintained peace inside her previously divided country and created an environment where the arts flourished. I mean, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, because there was, like, conflict with her sister Mary, Mm. and and there were were some difficulties there. But overall, like, she was one of the longer-ruling monarchs of the time. Do you think that King Henry would have been shocked or, like, impressed of, like, how well she actually ruled? Because he was all like, I need a male heir, but she ruled for 44 years. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. Because he didn't think a woman could do it, but, like, there she was. Bitch got shit done. Doing it. Bitches get stuff done. (laughs) I wonder if he would be like, no, you're doing a terrible job, even though she's like doing yeah, a pretty okay job. She's doing a pretty okay job, yeah. Bitch, yeah. you're doing a good job. But when we talk about like Anne Boleyn's legacy in the 20th century, 21st century in media, there's mm-hmm. quite a bit there, too. Yeah, there's a bunch of films. So there's this film called The Other Boleyn Girl, which I think most people might know because that one stars Natalie Portman as Boleyn. And she's a scheming temptress. Like she's the the negative parts that uh that historians have pulled out. So this film is historically inaccurate as fuck, but it's got like four characters from the Marvel universe, which All is right. kind of impressive. So if you want to see a very cringy sex scene between Black Widow and Doctor Strange, this film is it. It's got you. Yes. So there's also Claire Foy in the Wolf Hall series. She depicts a very ambitious and social climbing version of Anne Boleyn. I think that was a book. That was a very yes, thick it was. Book. So was the other to, like, Boleyn girl. Barnes and Noble times. I'm remembering like a very heavy With the red cover. Red cover. Yes, mm-hmm. that's how I remember. Like I'm looking for a book about Anne Boleyn that has a red cover. 
Uh, do you know the author? No. 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 Do you know the title? No. 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 But it's it's a red cover. Um, it was in the newspaper the other day. <laughs> yeah. These are actual conversations booksellers have. But the thing is, we still would have figured it out, or we, somebody we would have. We were great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember there was that table we had to set up one day that was like I don't know what it's called, but the color is blue. The cover, and is it was blue, all yeah. blue books. That was so fun. <laughs> so also, Anne Boleyn is a British three-part psychological thriller miniseries and she's played by Jodie Turner-Smith which I think was controversial because Jodie Turner-Smith while being gorgeous is black oh cool yeah she's married to uh Joshua Jackson which I know like your husband doesn't define you but I fucking love Joshua Jackson okay. I saw him twice at Barnes and Noble okay embarrassed myself I dropped a bunch of books Shh. He's gorgeous. Um, and they're really cute. They're having a baby. They're adorable. But she's a very good actor. She's in Queen and Slim. You should watch that. Okay. Yeah, Side yeah. I, I'm familiar with that movie. I That's wanted to see it, but I didn't get it to. It's very good. And the most famous one that I know is Natalie Dormer in the Showtime drama The Tudors. Oh, yeah. Natalie Dormer plays a lot of, like, she was in Game of Thrones. She she wears flouncy dresses and is from another time. She does that a lot. Flouncy? Is that your British accent? I'm not allowed to do British accents, okay? I mean, do them. We discussed You do you, girl. You do you. Everybody hates it. Everyone hates hates it. it. Nobody hates it. They just, you know, in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) They don't hate it. They just really don't like how you sound as a person when you do it. That's not true. That's not true. I, I know that for a fact because I actually had someone say that, like, you're their favorite part. And I was like, oh, thanks. I'm glad she is. Oh, who is that? I'm going to send them a cookie. Let's just say I work with her. She knows. She knows. Amberlynn has also been represented in literature as well, as you mentioned, like the Wolf Hall example. Mm-hmm. The Other Bolin Girl is another example of... Book. Of a book that was in me was also turned into a film, and and the book is also inaccurate historically, but I think Philippa Gregory's books in general, like she did a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, because they're like like romance twists, novels, right? Twists on on yeah. historical, like she figures. takes a general idea and then kind of goes fan fictiony with it. Yeah, yeah, which is fine, but I just feel like a lot of people have. They have an image about Anne Boleyn that might have come from the other Boleyn girl, and that's like not. It's not. Com- it's, it's not, not accurate. One. No. Other titles include the Doomed Queen Anne by Carolyn Mayer, the Secret Diary of Anne Boleyn by Robin Maxwell, the Concubine by Nora Lofts, Ooh. and Mademoiselle Boleyn by Robin Maxwell. That sounds like a perfume, Mademoiselle Boleyn. Yes, but Anne Boleyn is undoubtedly the most famous of all of Henry VIII's wives. Like, yeah. I actually just Googled who is Henry VIII's most famous wife, mm-hmm. and it just was like, Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Like, stop. Why are you Googling <laughs> this? <laughs> it's not Jane Seymour? No. Not so much. And, like, who are the other ones after them? I, I guess it gets, like, less and less in popularity, there's, because I don't know. There's Catherine... There's another Catherine. Yes, which I think is like, I want to say it's weird that he married two women named Catherine, but again, they had like five names that they just like, well, right. And she wasn't Spanish the way Catherine of Aragon was. So Catherine of Aragon would have been like Catarina or something. Mm So what do you take away from all of this? I mean, this is clearly just an introduction to a subject that Mm -hmm. people have spent years and years investigating. And we spent like, 
you know, a, a week. week or so. <laughs> a week. You know, I'm not a scholar or anything. No, but um, even a scholar <laughs> takes way longer than yeah. a week. So, you know, like, but there are things that we could take away from the, those who have done the research mm. for us. So for me, it was that Bolin was a super driven woman. She had a really strong personality and people have never liked that. And still had her hate, still has her haters today. When doing research for the, this episode, I learned a lot about different historians. And I always just thought that they told you the facts, you know, but it seems like the, a lot of the facts are tainted by personal views. Oh, yeah. So if you're a dude who can't stand a mouthy broad, it's going to come through in your work. <laughs> I say that to say that maybe there needs to be more diversity in historians in this field. Like, absolutely. Let some ladies do it who may not have like a, gender bias automatically and we also say that like history is written by the victors mm -hmm. and in the case of Anne Boleyn the victors are the men in the power men. yeah what I took away was that you know big reputations for women are nothing new mm -hmm. we've ca we've covered a lot of 20th and 21st century individuals but Anne certainly was not the first but she definitely was not the last, mm -hmm. as we've already seen from our previous episodes. But it was a big deal for that time, right? You mm -hmm. know, the documentary that I watched claimed that news of her arrest was sensational news that is all around London that spread in a matter of hours. Like, maybe they didn't have Twitter or social media, but mm -hmm. gossip spread quickly even then. Especially if it was about, like, the celebrity, which was, you know, royalty, royalty was celebrity. Yeah. So... Yeah, that, that gossip spread like wildfire. As usual, we want to share a couple of resources and references. We'll include some of these in the show notes. So most of the really good ones are available on YouTube. So you can just like sit there and watch them for free, which is awesome. One of my favorite ones was The Last Days of Anne Boleyn. That's a BBC documentary. There's another one on YouTube called Anne Boleyn, The Obsession of Henry VIII. Documentary by The People's Profiles. Okay. Another website, uh, historylearningsite.co.uk. There's so much on there. Like, if you, I'm sure the whole, like, what's the order of, like, dukes, kings, whatever, oh, that's yeah. on there. Probably. There's another one called The King Who Broke the Church, The Life and Times of Henry VIII. And that one's by Jack Rackham. Okay. Rackham? Right. Rackham. Rackham. Jack Rackham. Um, and the documentary that I referenced uh, a number of times was called The Fall of Anne Boleyn, Arrest, Trial, Execution. And this was a documentary by Tracy Borman, who is an historian of this time period and of Anne Boleyn in particular. So what did you think of the episode? Share your thoughts with us. Do you want to see us cover any of the other wives of Henry VIII in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod and Instagram at BigReputationsPod. Send us a message or email us at bigreputations at gmail.com. We'd love to include your thoughts in a future episode. In fact, we actually got a little bit of feedback on our Meghan Markle mm -hmm. episode, and we wanted to just appreciate those who had reached out to us on Twitter, commenting on their perspectives on yeah. our episode. There's definitely things that we provided that were kind of an introduction to the topic. So those of you who are super Meghan Markle stands. fans, yes, yeah, stands, you know, you probably knew most of that already, mm -hmm. but I, we appreciate your responses and we love engaging with you on Twitter. Speaking of, I just started watching Suits and she's so good in it. Yes. She's so good in it. And I'm like thoroughly enjoying the show. Awesome. I think there's like seven seasons or nine seasons. Okay. I'm on like episode three and I'm just like, she's adorable on the show. I'm 
I'm here for it. Awesome. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your families, the ones you don't want to behead. <laughs> subscribe and leave a five-star review. Yes, we actually created a link tree today that will give you the links to listen to it from your favorite podcast platforms. You can find that link on either our Instagram or our Twitter accounts. Be sure to check out our Big Reputations merch. Our wonderful logo designer, Samantha Wallace, has agreed to put the logo up on her Redbubble account so you can order a variety of items from stickers to t-shirts to mugs and more. The holidays are coming. The holidays are coming. Buy all your friends and family some Big Reputations merch or ask yeah. for a gift card to Redbubble and buy yourself some, yeah. some Big Reputations merch. Be independent. Merch. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> the link is in the show notes. It's also on our link tree. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap up this episode for this week. Kim, what's your quote for us? Well, it's from the one and only Anne Boleyn. It's going to happen. Grumble who will. True life. Right? And as always, believe women. <laughs>